Hey crew, I'm Cam Explains, and this is Run the Block, the first show that's bringing together coaches, podcasters, and local business owners to innovate and collaborate, because I think there's crazy crossover that no one is talking about between these three amazing groups, from lessons learned to finding untapped and potential new revenue streams. Our goal is to help you get more subs, customers, clients, and more using the perfect formula of know-how, storytelling, and kindness. So you too can easily create content that converts, add more cash to the bank, lift up your community, and ignite your biz without being stuck in no man's land ever again. Comfort, certainty, and running towards pain versus away. Today's coach walks us through how unlocking our trauma and uncomfortable past experiences can actually give us peace of mind. Please help me welcome to Run the Block, Michelle Rains, co-host of the Key Nutrition Podcast and Breath Guide, who guides others to remember who they truly are through the power of breath. I hope you're ready for this one because it is insightful and Michelle is one of the best and greatest people on this planet, truly helping others. So without further ado, let's get into this episode of Run the Block. Enjoy. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today on Run the Block. Super stoked to chat with you. Cam, so good to see you, dude. So good to chat. I always love your energy. We start started off by talking about that, but you know, there's there's certain people when you just have a conversation, uh, but even before the conversation, you just see them. You can just feel their energy. I would put like you there. I'd put uh, we talked about a mutual friend, uh, Trish, Trish Clifford, yes. right? Like you, yes. you just see you see you and you can feel your energy and your enthusiasm, your passion. It just like puts a smile on your face, no matter like how your day is going. You know what? I appreciate that so much today. People speaking to my energy is so much better than someone saying, Hey, I like your shirt. Anyone <laughs> can wear a shirt, right? Anyone can wear the shirt I'm wearing, but nobody can wear the exact energy that I have. So thank you. Thank you for seeing that. Absolutely. I thought we'd start today uh, somewhere unique maybe, but it was a post I saw that went up a few days ago, I think. And this was this was your post. So you said, choosing to go towards the pain instead of away. Healing is fascinating. Are we ever fully healed? I'm asking you. I believe that healing is a journey, not a destination. I also believe that we get to rest along this journey and enjoy the parts of us that have healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's only a piece of that, number one. So if, if you don't follow Michelle, go follow Michelle. But that's so powerful. That was like five sentences. Yeah. yeah. What is going on in your world to just make these profound statements? (laughs) It's so crazy to hear you read that back to me because I was sitting here with my eyes closed, feeling into my own words. Right. And here's what, here's what I've learned along the last almost three years since I found this modality of breath work um, that has really put me inside myself is I think society is telling us that we have this constant, we have this constant need, this constant desire that we always have to be healing because we are never fully healed. Right. So when I talk about healing, I'm talking about if you are a human being on this planet, you probably have experienced some sort of trauma, whether that's big trauma, little trauma, anything in between. We've all experienced things that we have to heal from, right? What I find is people are so focused on what to heal next. How do I need to heal? Where do I need to go from here? That people don't stop to recognize and celebrate the parts of them that they have healed. These parts that have healed, therefore, have promoted growth in their life, right? 
there's a beautiful poem about sea glass and it talks about how sea glass gets put into the waves and, you know, bumbled around and then it will find its way to shore and it rests until another wave picks it up. Do we allow ourselves to sit like sea glass on the shore and rest for a minute and appreciate the beauty around us and appreciate where we have done the inner work, right? And the inner work is such a, like a cliche statement right now of like, you know, are you doing personal development? Are you doing the inner work? But how often do we stop and just go, that feels so good that that part of me, that trauma that I've been carrying around, that emotion that has been stuffed and suppressed so far down in me is now coming to the surface to be able to be seen and to be able to be felt and ultimately to be able to be released. We don't have to carry around all this baggage that we carry around. So that was that post as I recognized around me how many people are always going, but there's more healing to do. There's more healing to do. Okay, but let's, let's, let's rest in the moments where we've, we've come a long way and we've healed those parts of us. Right. So that's where, that's where that post came from. Absolutely. How, how do you, how do you define trauma though? Because there's so many different areas of yeah. when probably someone just listening to this thinks of trauma, right? You think injury to yourself, right? A scrape, a cut, a bone breaks or something along those lines. Yeah. But the trauma we're talking about here is not only internal that can actually be shown external, but probably something that you can't even pinpoint, right? Something yeah. that you have to figure out. Like, I, I don't know why I act this way. How, yeah. how do you even like start to figure out trauma? You know, trauma is so, it's so subjective, right? Because it is something that we go through as a human being that our body then perceives as an event that doesn't feel super good, right? So something that's traumatic to me may not be traumatic to you. Your body may perceive it just fine and be able to not even store it in the body. Trauma is what is stored in the body after an event. So some event that happens in your life that feels, you feel fearful, you feel unsafe, your system feels like it needs to go into this fight or flight, your body then stores the trauma, right? So inside, we now have trauma stored in the body. So I have a brother who is a recovering drug addict. So when I think back to his use, when he was using very heavily, and I think about some of the things that I witnessed and that I went through, that to me was traumatic. So somebody else out there listening that has dealt with a loved one in addiction, it may not be as traumatic to them, right? So it's a subjective thing is what I've recognized with trauma. Because when I first heard like this whole world of starting to heal through things that we've been through, through traumas. I was 36 years old at that point. So 36 years of life dealing with a brother who's a drug addict. And I had this woman say to me, so just think back, do you have any trauma? And I was like, no, I, I like, I don't have any, my parents are still married. All of my siblings speak. Like I was so surface level of like, no, life's good. Like life's really good. I'm so blessed. Even though I totally am blessed, as I started to do this deeper work, I started to realize that some of my behaviors were attached to these traumas. And it was a response that I now had to protect myself because of these traumas, right? So we start to have these patterns, this programming 
that we're raised with. And we actually have what are called protectors. And this is an internal family systems thing is the protectors that we put in place to protect us. And instead of allowing those protectors to start to fade away when we no longer need them, we keep them in place. So sometimes you'll see your behavior repeats itself when you're almost like, wait, why did I react? Why did I react like that? This situation doesn't need that protector, but we are so ingrained in this protector because at some point it protected us. At some point it was the thing that, that saved, and I'm doing air quotes, that saved us from whatever the situation might have been, right? So some people will put protectors in place. Here's, here's a good, anyone out there, have you ever dated somebody and it's a horrible experience, you break up, you date the same person, they just have a different name. You don't quite, <laughs> right? They just have a different name. And then you break up with them and then you date someone else, same name, until you will allow yourself to actually see the behavior that's coming through and actually see what this protecting mechanism is that you have and let that come down, you're going to keep repeating these patterns, this programming that you have. Is that because we're looking for something that's that's missing or because you're, you're speaking to the protection mechanism, you see something in that person that you feel, even though they may not be a great fit or you know a crappy um, husband or mm-hmm. a crappy wife or mm-hmm. girlfriend, boyfriend, they yeah. still have that that piece that you feel you're missing. Yes, it's the piece that you're missing or the piece that is certain, right? Because you start to rely on certainty. So many people, they don't want to do the uncertain thing, right? It creates too much discomfort. We seek certainty, right? So if we're never allowing ourselves to come in touch with us, and what is it, right, that that I put, again, the protector, this protector part of me, if I keep it with me my whole life, my behavior never changes, right? Because I'm always going to the next certain thing. So if we allow ourselves to take this protector that at one point protected us and we allow us to see it and be like, you know what? I don't need you anymore. I appreciate you and I see you, but I actually, my 40 year old self, I don't need this protector that came into play at 22 years old. I don't need it anymore. I appreciate what you did for me, right? Speaking to this protector part and letting it go. Now you can move into the next thing. Maybe it's uncertain and maybe it feels a little bit jarring at first, but you move in that direction and now you're no longer dating the same person with a different name. You're starting to create a new path, right? But too many people out there won't do the uncertain thing. I just read a beautiful book. It was called Living Beautiful, you Living Beautifully Through Uncertainty. And it talks about this, about like, of course, we want to do the certain, the thing that we feel is certain, even if it's a crappy relationship, that's certain to us. We know that we've done this. We've actually mastered it. So why not go on to the, you know, break up with this person and go on to the next relationship that's going to provide the same crappy things. We know how to handle it. So there's a part of us that even though it's crappy, the certainty feels good. So it's almost like there, there's comfort. And the yes, certainty, even totally. though we know the outcome probably isn't great for us. Totally. The comfort, because too many of us, and again, it might be cliche, but too many of us don't want to live in the discomfort. We live in a world 
where everything is Insta. Think about it. Instagram, Instacart. We've got Amazon Prime. We, we don't have to wait, right? And so we just want the instant thing that makes us feel better. We're not willing to sit in the crap, for lack of a better word, for very long because we don't have to. We live in a world that will deliver to us right away. So until we can learn how to live in this, like a little bit of discomfort that's coming from inside, we're constantly, think about this world, we're constantly reaching externally to put something inside our body to make us feel better. Whether it's the next diet, whether it's a diet pill, whether it's somebody externally, right? A relationship coming into your world that makes you feel better. Put your phone in front of your face and start scrolling social media when you feel a feeling that feels uncomfortable right? We've got alcohol, we've got food, we've got so many numbing mechanisms that people are constantly numbing themselves from feeling this discomfort. Whether it's stepping into a new job, a new relationship, dealing with feelings of the past, right? People avoid these emotions that feel uncomfortable. And we have every, everything accessible to us to numb out to it. It reminds me of, I saw this a while ago, and I'm sure this has been around for, for decades, but one of the, the coaches that I followed, uh, he was a great Olympic weightlifting coach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was posting up about uh, they were coming up to Olympic trials. And so his post was, you know, about like great coaches. Like he wasn't talking about himself, but just like the coaches that, you know, he had been under. And uh, it was a post where uh, it was like a silhouette of two people. And one was a coach, one was a person. And the person like basically had a missing piece and the coach was handing them the puzzle piece. And I was just always like, that that doesn't, I understand what you're trying to say, but that never resonated with me. I was like thinking kind of to what you're speaking to, whereas people always have the pieces, they just may need someone to rearrange them in an order that makes sense for them. And so as, as you're talking about this trauma, as you're talking about unlocking things and then being able to let them go, it's it's just really making me think of that we have probably the tools. We just may not know how to utilize them or go about them in a way to even let go of of something like trauma. Cause you may just be a person who's sitting there just stuck in stress and not understanding why you're so angry at the dog this morning. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when my, Mm -hmm. my puppy gives you a bark and I just flip out and I'm like, Oh my God, shut up. Right. But in reality, it's, it's all these other things that as you're saying, the 22 year old, you had a protector. Mm-hmm. And you've been carrying around that baggage for years. Yeah. And that may just be an underlying thing that's just there and you don't even know. Mm-hmm. And yet it just makes you flip out for no reason. Mm-hmm. I love what you just spoke to about the coach handing the missing piece because they don't have the missing piece. You have the missing piece. Like you said, you might just, that's what mentors, that's what guides, that's what these light workers in the world are here to steer you, Right in that direction, or even give you the safety in order to upheave all of this stuff that's going on, right? As a breathwork guide, as a breathwork, you know, space holder for people. That's what I tell people. You're doing the work. Okay. I'm here to hold a safe space. And what I've noticed is that's what humans desire. They desire to be seen, to be heard, and to be held in experiences. The answers are within you, right? Yes, I do agree that there are coaches out there who are going to give you, and I'm pointing to my head, the mindset piece, right? The the knowledge, what's going into your mind, your brain. 
but within your body, like you have everything you need. They don't have the missing piece for you. And so what you were speaking to of like, it's so many other things that build up when you all of a sudden pop off at the dog. I always tell people when you're standing in the coffee aisle at the grocery store and they don't have your perfect holiday blend that I love, right? Coffee and you lose your mind. It's not over that. It's over all the other stuff that you're carrying that you're, you haven't released, right? It is where we, I always speak to my clients about, are we reacting or are we responding? Because if we give a response, we're creating some space. We're taking a breath before we respond. When we react, we usually have an apology that has to follow. I've never thought about it that way. That's really brilliant though, because you're yeah. right. Yeah. Response requires more attention and thoughtfulness, right? Mm -hmm. Versus yeah. just reacting to not having your favorite coffee. Yes. Do you think people yes. just like are seeking permission then, you know, speaking along those lines, mm -hmm. because, you know, if they can technically do these things, but maybe they don't know how you said mindset, yeah. maybe they don't know the skill set, right? Things like that. Yeah. Is it just permission that they're looking for to be able to either go down those, those rabbit holes or go through acceptance with somebody? I do feel like it's permission. I do. I feel like so often we as humans are out there waiting for permission to do anything to, and especially when it comes to our emotions. So I want to speak to breath work and being able to allow emotions. Okay. So if I tell you right now, you know, Cam, whatever you're feeling express, you are going to sit there and go, Okay, well, first of all, I don't know what I'm feeling. So often people don't even know what they're feeling if I'm to ask them point blank, what are you feeling, right? In fact, I, with some of my clients, have to put in front of them what's called a feelings inventory and let them look and seriously, like kind of digest, like, okay, what am I feeling, right? Sometimes we can't articulate what we're feeling. So giving people permission, do you feel angry? Some of my clients. Does it, do you think it'd feel good to like pound your fists on the floor? How about grab the pillow and put it over your face and scream into the pillow? And it's like doing that, they're releasing these emotions from the body because the way that we move energy within our bodies is movement, sound, and breath. Those three ways are the way that we're moving energy in our own body. So when somebody feels angry, I think that nine out of 10 people think that it's a bad feeling. Just like there's good food and there's bad food in the, in the, you know, nutrition space in the space I'm in, there's good emotions and there's bad emotions, but there's not emotions are emotions. We're attaching a story to them that I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be depressed. I shouldn't be sad, but I should be happy. I should be joyful. And I don't like shoulds and I don't like shouldn'ts because whatever we're feeling, what if we can move through that emotion being seen, being held, being permissioned to feel through it. You know, and so many people ask me, well, how do I allow the emotion to go? Like, how do I let myself release it? Well, let me tell you, nobody's coming to do it for you. So if you don't do it through breath, through sound, through movement, you're going to store that emotion. There's something out there called the emotion code. It's Dr. Bradley Nelson. He discovered this of these emotions that we suppress when we're not safe to feel them, when we're a child and we're told, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't feel that. As a only girl in my family, I had four brothers. I was told I was over emotional, right? If I was feeling emotions, I would be sent away. Go feel these somewhere else. 
you don't need to be around the family when you're acting this way. So we suppress them. And when we suppress them, they're staying in the body. The body keeps the score. There's a book out there and it does. The body will keep the score, right? So we are, we have moved into a time where mindset work is beautiful. And I totally am on board with it, but we need to drop below the neck into our body. We need to allow ourselves when we feel anger to move through the anger. Don't sit in it. Don't unpack there. But there, you know, they say out there that if you let yourself feel an emotion, it will run its course in 90 seconds if you let yourself fully be with it. Okay. So being able to express and giving people permission to express, people, giving people permission to be straight up angry about something that possibly happened to them when they were eight years old. A relationship that I had to work through 20 years ago when I was 20 years old. I was permission the other day with a coach, with a mentor to work through some of the feelings I had of blame because I didn't think blame was an okay feeling. I thought I had to own everything because I had a part in this relationship. But being able to sit in a place of this person permissioning me to blame, it was so freeing. It was so liberating to have someone else see me through that. How does that then correlate to you know, speaking of mindset and and motivation, it's common on social media, right? For, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't really like the term guru because obviously it's misused and now it's, you know, used to, you know, make fun of other people that think that, you know, they're at a certain place, Yeah, but it's very common for, you know, you to see a, mostly a dude go, you need to own your shit, right? Yes. You need to take fault for everything and it's always on you. And if it's on you, then you can make a change. I mean, and that, that is, I mean, that's true, right? If if you can do those things, but it sounds like what you're speaking to is a little bit of a different approach, understanding that there are two sides to every coin. And Mm -hmm. while you can technically blame yourself or take ownership of things that that's, that's very different from what you're speaking to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that What happens is during the forgiveness process of something that happened even years and years ago, you do have to forgive yourself, but being able to see that maybe you were put in a situation, right? Especially when it comes to childhood trauma, you were put in a situation where maybe somebody who is supposed to be your caretaker did not care for you and take care of you the way that they should. So in turn, there is some blame that goes on that person because they, you know, People say, you know, you're doing the best you know how. There are situations that happen to people that I feel like, no, you knew better. Like you knew better as the adult, as the caretaker. So being able to look back and go, yes, I had a role in this. Okay. As a as a 20-year-old person who was in a relationship, I had a role in staying, right? However, I did not deserve to be physically abused. I did not deserve some of the stuff. So being able to say, no, I do blame you for putting your hands on me, right? Being able to be in that, I think that's part of the forgiveness process because if you're cutting something off from giving it the space that it needs, you're skipping, you're essentially, if you skip over the blame is what I'm trying to say, your whole process of forgiveness or even talking to like grief, when someone grieves something and they want to skip over being angry at at something, if you skip over that, you're not making a complete circle to come full circle and, and let it go. You're skipping steps in there. And even though your mind wants to go, we good, we good. 
We don't need to go through the blame. We don't need to go through the anger. Your body knows. Your body keeps the score and it will, and it will keep resurfacing until we fully allow ourselves to feel it. So it was crazy. A relationship that I endured 20 years ago, finally, about a month ago, came full circle because I realized I kept skipping over the blame because I didn't think I was allowed, air quotes, to blame him. Right. And I see that with grief a lot in my clients, people who are grieving. They say, well, so and so, right? My father, my mother, my brother is gone from this earth now. I, I don't really feel like I can be angry at them. Anger is part of the grief process. So where are we like skipping steps because we don't feel like we have that permission to fully feel that feeling? How do you not take on the emotions of others then? Because this is all powerful stuff, right? And most of the people listening to this at at this point, maybe one day I'll be big and famous. Michelle, we can only hope, right? You will. You will. (laughs) You will. Uh, But most of the people listening to this are going to be coaches or small business owners. So whether it's, you know, a customer coming in, that you know they may have had great customer service, but for whatever reason, they just don't like that product and something went wrong in their day and they need to charge back the $10. Or a coach thought they were going to have a normal check-in, right? They're, they're stacked for the day and like the third person in just dumps on them, right? Mm-hmm. So even before we started this, like because I have confidence in, in who you are and the work that you do, I was very transparent with you. You said, hey, how are you? And I was like, actually, actually, I'm very stressed at the moment. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a good stress, but I'm stressed. I would not say that to most people that come onto these calls, right? Right. <laughs> but, but, but I knew I, I was okay and in a safe place to, to share that with you because I knew it wouldn't affect you know uh, us going forward. So how do you do that? Because that's very hard to do, especially when you actually do care about the work you do mm-hmm. and the people that you serve. How do you not take on their emotions? Mm, I love this. I love this question because... So about a year ago, I didn't know how to not take on the emotions of others. And I took on every single emotion of every single person that I worked with, every single person that I held in a space of breath work that released emotion. I took it all, all of it. And it's a term called merging that I learned within my breath work certification, uh, merging with the other person. Now, anyone out there that's, that's an empath, you know this. I feel so deeply. I feel like pain for like the collective humans out there. I feel this pain, right? There's compassion, there's empathy. And then there's this thing called merging where you tend to merge with a person. So like I said, about a year ago, I didn't know how to separate myself. I didn't know how to not take on the emotions. I thought that's what I was supposed to do because I am a fixer. I love to fix things. I love to fix people. I love to fix when people are feeling sad. I always think that I need to have a solution. And so as I started to dive deep in this work of holding the space and guiding people through these these intense sessions where within breath work, anyone out there that's seen it going around on social media of seeing people just sobbing and screaming and bawling and writhing on the ground, like it's not too far off. And holding space for people like that, I started to take on this pain, this pain. And I wasn't separating myself and I wasn't cutting the cords and shedding what I had picked up during a session. Um, Last August, it was August 29th, I'll never forget. I had one of the most out of body, horrific panic attacks. I don't even know what to call it really, where I got so dark. I got so deep into just a really, really hard time. And I started to 
tell myself and tell my spouse, I can't do this. I can't do this work because I'm taking on too much of the pain. When I tell you I went dark from about August of 2021 till about February of this year, 2022, it was some of the hardest, darkest, most lonely times of my life, realizing how much pain is truly out there, realizing what some people have endured in their life, realizing the pain that they carry around every single day and how do they get out of bed and just starting to take on all of this. I got really, really, really low. It's the only time in my life where I started to think, you know, if I went to bed tonight and I didn't wake up tomorrow, that wouldn't be the worst thing. I have kids. So any mom out there knows like you live for your kids. And I just, I was so lonely and I, I want to speak to the entrepreneur out there who decides to go on this journey because it's not all puppies and candy canes. There's so much loneliness that comes. That was a time in my life where I was transitioning into really calling myself an entrepreneur, really calling myself a guide, Um, starting to realize that I I was one of these light leaders in the world of this, this work that needs to be done. And I got really, really low. And taking on other people's emotions is something that truly I had to learn that I had to have my cup completely full. I had to resource myself prior to taking on my clients or else I would take on their stuff and I would merge with their emotions and I would feel so deeply. And when I'm helping someone who I know their situation, some of my clients, I don't know. I don't know what they're working through. What we're speaking to is the emotions. Sometimes I don't even know the event. What we're dealing with is the emotions. But if I know somebody deeply and I know them and their their life and I know their story, it's really hard. It was really hard. Today, I can do it a little bit better. A year ago, I couldn't differentiate between really, really feeling into the pain of the event and taking it on versus just feeling into the emotions and knowing that emotions and feelings, they're very fleeting. We can move through them. We can't change what happened. We can't change the event. But what we can do is we can go back and process the emotions that are around that event, the the feelings of, of the trauma in the body. So you ask how I did it. It was a very, very conscious, intentional thing that I had to start realizing. My energy is mine. Cam, your energy is yours, right? I can hold space for you. But at the end of being together, I do a thing called cutting cords and I picture these big giant scissors and I'm cutting and cutting and you take your energy, I take mine. And it was a very conscious and intentional act that I had to do to be able to hold the safe space for people and then to be able to go home to my family, go home to my own energy. So very conscious, very intentional. That's fascinating because uh, you you mentioned cords. I have pictured mine. I'm a nerd. So I go to like wizards and like, you know, I love two, two energies, like, you know, auras basically like clashing. And this is fascinating because this is something that I didn't even know existed, but, you know, through other relationships, I've just had to kind of talk with others and ask them how they've gotten through hard relationships and then been able to separate those things because of the things that you're speaking to. I don't think unless you, as you mentioned, like you're an empath, 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't think a lot of people understand probably taking on the emotions of others, or maybe you're just so busy and focused on one thing or stressed out about other things, you can't process other people's emotions. But I'd have to guess that anyone that's listening to this, that's a coach has had that phone call and then they've just come off and they're drained and they mm-hmm. are just like, how do I answer the phone again? Yes. How do I pick up and dial the next person? Because I am just spent. So if you've ever had that moment, you know exactly what Michelle's talking about here. That That's what that is. Because not only have you felt it, but you've probably taken it on and you've probably been trying to rack your brain for the last however long you talked to that person, trying to find a solution for them. But as you mentioned way back in the conversation, people just want to be seen. They want to be heard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just realizing that if you just hear them out, truly hear them out, not waiting your turn to speak, but allowing these pauses, right? And pauses, yes. they're very uncomfortable for people. No one likes pauses. That's why ums and likes and things come <laughs> in, right? I do it all the time too by accident. I'm not, I don't even know. Right there. Yes. But, uh, allowing that pause, I think, is even just like a great starting point for, for mm-hmm. people to realize that it, it is about hearing people and not necessarily mirroring what they say back and forth, right? But being able to actually acknowledge what they're saying. If they're saying they're stressed, right? You didn't instantly go like, oh my God, do you want to talk about how, how can we fix this? You weren't like that. You're like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then that was it. That, that's all we said. I, I acknowledged it. You said an acknowledgement and that was yeah. it. Yep. We, we didn't have to go into depth. I didn't have to, to dump anything else out, right? It was just acknowledged. And no, we I on. didn't fix your stress. I didn't fix yeah. you. Yeah. Didn't even try. No. Dang it. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's coming on here to get fixed, Michelle. I know. Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, back in August, dark time through February. So that's a long period. That's six months yeah. of not only entrepreneurship, which you alluded to, and I say on here all the time, is dark and just such a lonely journey. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's ever started and then quickly went back to another job knows exactly that feeling. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And then you, for some reason, decide that you want to try it again, you know, a few months later and totally. then go back to your job. <laughs> and, and so you, you know, within three to five years, maybe you, you find something that kind of works. Was it going out on your own? Cause you mentioned like trying to become a light worker and, and being an actual guide. What started that, that path down the, the, the darkness though? Mm-hmm. Was it just again, being the entrepreneur for the first time, because you've, if no one knows, um, Michelle, you, you helped out with key nutrition, which is what your, your brother owns, Brad, great, great company. I always like check out what you guys are up to. Uh, mm-hmm. but what started that, that spiral down from everything else that was going on? Yeah, I, I wish I knew exactly what, but I had just come off of a six month, um, certification, like I said, to become a breathwork facilitator, right? A trauma informed breathwork facilitator six months of, of intense. I have to say this program was very intense. The first three months is really, really working on yourself, going inward, really, really starting to dive deep into what does energy feel like in our bodies, talking about the chakra system, right? This energy system that runs from the crown of our head to the base of our spine, being able to feel like what feels in alignment. And something that they started to speak to was our soul and our intuition. Well, Cam, I thought I'd broke my intuition in my 20s with how reckless I was, okay? Like I thought all of my really bad decisions in my 20s, all of the partying that I like had broke my intuition. So when they started to speak to this intuition part of me, I started to realize, okay, wait, like I do have this in me and I do know like 
full body yeses and full body noes. And people out there who have heard that, right? You'll, when you get asked something and it's a full body yes, right? I'm all in. Yep, all in. Full body yes, full body no. Like we we start to not trust ourselves and this intuition and this soul, right? And the first three months diving in to myself was so wretchedly uncomfortable. Like it was, so I couldn't get away from myself. And it was like, this is exactly what they're talking about. When they talk about sit with the, the crap, sit with it, be with it, see it and, and allow yourself to start working through it. So again, not to always bring up my age, but the reason I do is because I was 39 years old at this point, 39 years I did not know this depth of life and this energy and this life force that runs through my body, right? So I'm starting to learn this the first three months, okay? So from like April 2021 till about June or July, then July hits and we start to work with others within the program. We start to work with others, guiding them in breath, letting them feel their emotions, giving them this safe space. That's when I started to realize There is such a collective hurt in this world. And I tell you that I must have just had blinders on for so much of my life, not wanting to realize how much hurt is out there. And so as I started to realize how many people are out there hurting, I started to, like I said, take that energy on, right? So as I come out of the program, I now realize I'm a breathwork facilitator. What does that mean? What am I doing with this? I felt so alone. Because for six months, I had gone through a program with 124 other people. I had had them surrounding me. We were in a communication system together. I graduate, that stops. Now I'm Michelle. I'm back to just me and I'm alone and nobody's telling me what to do next. And all of a sudden I realize this is what this is. Like I have to build something out of this, right? And so all of that pressure on me made me almost like revert to shutting down. And I feel like I just started to, you know, have all of the things, every single thing out there, imposter syndrome. You know, I started the not enoughness that I can't do this. How am I, little Michelle Rain, supposed to build a business out of this? And it started to just feel like too much, right? The best thing, the best thing I finally did in December. So like in the middle of this really hard, dark time. And I and I'm when I speak to to hard time, my mental health in the month of November last year was so low that we were looking to get me impatient somewhere because my mental health had had gotten so, so heavy. It was so dark. And I will absolutely speak to the honesty of what I believe of this beautiful dance between Eastern medicine and Western medicine. I think there's a time and a place for Western medicine. I really do. Um, and I think that if you are taking the the Eastern approach of meditation, of breath work, of yoga, even going into journaling, gratitude, things like that, and you're doing this beautiful dance with it, I think it can be a beautiful healing modality. And in December, December 18th, not a real ideal time to spend a whole grip of money right before Christmas, I invested in a mentor. It was the best thing I did. I actually just graduated from being with her. So I was with her for 11 months and it was just this beautiful relationship. And when you, anyone out there listening, when you hire a mentor, do your research, 
make sure it's someone who is literally going to, she had a belief in me that through the moments where I didn't have a belief in myself, she carried me, but then I would come back around to having that belief in myself. So it was a very, very nurturing relationship that she and I had. And she carried me. She, she carried me in those moments where I, I didn't feel like I could build a business out of this. I didn't feel like, and you speak to going back to the job. There was so many times that I was like, I'm going to go back to bartending. That's what I know. I know bartending and I can do it real good. Right? Fast cash. Fast cash. Just real good. Right. And my mentor kept saying, you're no, you're not. You're not going back to bartending. You're wanting to go back to the certainty of the money. You're wanting to go back to the certainty that it feels because this uncertainty sitting as an entrepreneur trying to build something feels really uncomfortable and really uncertain. And I just kept, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I know this, this place I bartended will hire me back like that. And so sitting in that discomfort in those moments of going, I don't know where I'm taking this. I don't know. There's nobody to turn to. You, you are, for lack of a better word, the CEO, like you are the person you're turning to. So that felt uncomfortable to me because I had had jobs growing up that I turned to someone to go, hey, solve this problem. Hey, where's my money? Where's my paycheck? Right now I'm sitting here and I'm relying on self to do it. So it's scary. It was super scary. It's 100% scary. It still is scary. It's it's yeah. every day. It, it, I think I, it was Coach Straker that I had on here that uh, said it best. And he was like, you know, it's, not that you just wake up one day and it's gone, right? And he was talking a little bit about imposter syndrome, a little bit about the anxiety of owning a business. He's like, you just learn to live with it and that it's there and you, yes. acknowledge, and you acknowledge it. And then you just keep going. You just don't stop. You don't give in to the comfort as you're saying to go back to. I know every two weeks on, you know, the first and the 15th, I'm getting, you know, $2,000. Yes. And, you know, from there, maybe I can do something on Etsy on the weekends, right? Yes. That's very, That's very comfortable. That's that is exactly that. It's yep. it's systematic. It's on the clock unless that company either fires you or goes under, you know you're going to be good, right? And mm -hmm. you can probably half-ass a lot of it and you still get your pay, right? Go to blame somebody else occasionally, you know, maybe like show up, you know, early to meet one meeting a week and be fine. And, yeah. and that's that's easy because you got Netflix on at night. You got, you totally. got a beer, beer wine on the weekends. You're fine. Show up Monday yeah. through Friday and then, you know, just, just watch college football day on Saturday. Whereas yep. entrepreneur, solopreneur, that's not the case. Not. You are your business. Everything you do is your brand. It's all revolving around you. You have to make your own paychecks. You have to figure out insurance and health insurance. And on top of that, mm -hmm. do you have to get systems in place? What platform are you going to use? How do you do this work? Pricing, offer creation. I just got anxious. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Me too. Me too. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> yeah. But- I think that the journey you just mentioned is the journey like most business owners, when you open up the shop, right? If you build it, they will come is what we all think, right? We open up shop, maybe because our friends and family have helped us out. Like the first couple of days goes great. Maybe even if you just got nutrition certification, first yeah. couple of weeks go great, right? Because you always go to your little bubble, your little bubbles, friends, yes. families, right? And, and they're going to mm -hmm. be supportive, hopefully of you. And when they are, you know, the first couple clients, first couple customers kind of seems easy, right? Beginner's luck as the alchemist goes into, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And then into month one, maybe you're okay. And then by month three, you're probably like, this is awful. This is terrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. How do I pay my bills? 
I have, you know, $600 due on Friday. I'm negative 200 in my account right now. Uh Oh, and by the way, I need to get groceries. Uh Oh, by the way, we have an anniversary coming up, right? I'm supposed to take my girlfriend out to dinner. Oh, by the way, we just, you know, had uh, the air conditioner go out in the house and you just, everything's on fire. Uh Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Doesn't stop. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. How, how did you go from working with a mentor then? even through that, is it just back to permission? You said she pulled you through some of that stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Is, is that again, just guiding you or, or just giving you permission because that still doesn't make you do the work, right? Mm-hmm. We see this all the time. People want to join a program and then they'll, even if they had a good experience, they'll still say like, oh, that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, was it just the messaging, the marketing that didn't work? Or was it like, because you actually didn't put in the work and there's cases for both, right? I, I've, I've been in tons of programs where it was like the program just wasn't that great. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's also other times where it was just, you didn't put in the work. So was it just her giving you permission that you could do the work and then you could do it? Or was, was there something else involved? Yes. And I think, like I said, it was that times of like where I, I was saying, I can't do this, right? Launching an online group program is one of the the things that challenged me the most, Right. So I have a group program out there called Hope. It's for anyone who has ever loved an addict. So anyone in, who has had an, an addict in their life. And and I started to build this program, right? And like you said, like the first like three or four weeks, I was jazzed about it. It was so fun. It was just like flowing. And then all of a sudden it got to this point where I was like, I can't put this out there and charge for it. Like nobody is going to pay me. Like this has no anecdotal experience that it it works. I can't put this out there, right? So what, what, when I looked for a mentor, I looked to people who were doing things that I desire to do. Okay. So they've done them. That's what a mentor is. That's why we look to people, right? Me personally. And I feel like the majority of people out there, we don't really care really what the letters behind your name are, or the credentials. I mean, if I have to have surgery, I hope they have letters behind their name, but <laughs> yeah. right. But like when it comes to like, you know, nutrition or this mentor space of like inner healing and and things like that. I look to people who are doing the things that I desire to do, right? So it's surrounding myself with people who are doing the bigger things, starting to see this, this woman who became my mentor, you know, okay, she's, she's doing and, and the way that she spiritually holds herself is how I desire to, to, to be and to learn from. So did she permission me? For sure. Did she believe in me when I didn't believe in myself? Sure. Did she also show me the technical side that was so intimidating to me of being able to do some of the stuff? Yes. All of those things, right? But she held space. And this is a term now that's out there, holding space for someone. And when you're talking about creating the pause, when you talk to somebody, letting them express how they're feeling and just looking at them. Most people are so uncomfortable, but being able to just hear someone and hear where they're coming from, right? And not judging it, not identifying, just observing that this is where this person is and holding that space for them to be able to move through some of their emotions. That is what the mentor did for me. That is why I identify myself as a breath mentor, because I am holding space for people to move through their own process, their own experience safely. I'm seeing them. I'm giving them a level of validation. I'm letting them know that everything they're feeling is super valid, but I'm also reminding them that everything they're feeling isn't a fact. Everything you're feeling is totally valid. It's just not always a fact. And so 
That's what she did for me. And she started to show me this way of being able to hold somebody through their process, their creations, and to be able to allow them to almost quote unquote, fix themselves because we have the answers we do to, to what, what is plaguing us. We have the answers. We have the ability to work through them. And I think so often we think that that's not the case. We think that we've got to wait for a mentor to fix us, a doctor to fix us, a nutrition coach to fix us out there in the world. I've seen it happen. People pay X amount of dollars per month to a nutrition coach. They don't do the work and they go, why this isn't working, but they refuse to put the work in. Okay. I always tell people breath work. What's one of the words in there? It's work. It's work, right? If you're not doing your side, I can't, I cannot fix you. And what I want to remind anyone out there listening, nobody at the end of the day is coming to fix you. Nobody. Doctors, nutrition coaches, mentors, everyone goes to bed just fine, not thinking, I wonder if I can fix Cam. I wonder if I can fix his stress. Nobody's going to fix you. So you have to be willing to put in the work. But I'm telling you, a mentor or somebody to hold that space for you. Also, accountability. Accountability is the crutch that makes things happen. It is. When you're accountable to somebody, you're going to show up a little bit better. You're going to show up to a call going, okay, so I said I would do X, Y, and Z the last seven days. Have I done that? Versus if you don't have that accountability, there's nothing you really have to, you know, you don't have to let anyone down, but yourself, but yourself. And that's huge. Unless I would say you're probably like one of the few people that everyone knows, like a Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk or something like that, right? You're just Mm -hmm. (laughs) these superhuman that's probably holding themselves accountable to other measures. And their vision is just so grand that no mere mortal I think could ever hold them accountable because they're just so far out there. Yes. It's probably why they're either robots or, or aliens. Exa- they are. <laughs> I agree. I, I do. I, I am fascinated though, that you did actually go through certification to become a nutrition coach, right? But then you I decided, did. That, you decided that, okay, this wasn't for me. And I was listening to another podcast and you were talking about that, you know, because you're working with, with your brother and you guys are doing key nutrition that it just seemed like a logical, like kind of progression for you to, to mm-hmm. go in and, and start coaching. Um, cause I think before you were doing not like administration, right. But you were like the face, I, I would say, right. Oh yeah. 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 You were, mm-hmm. you were, um, I think you said like, as well as like, you were the, also like the meet and greeter, but also doing everything, everything else, like all the operations behind the scenes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you then thought like maybe a logical progression might be to actually like coach, but then that didn't work out. And so um, I'm fascinated to know what was that step into saying like, no, this is definitely not me. Cause a lot of people would be like sunk cost. I've invested this money or my business has invested this money into me doing this. Mm-hmm. Now I told people I'm this thing and I've made a post on social and I have this certification. And now if I quit, I'm a failure. Mm. Yeah. 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 So that's exactly. So in 2017, my brother and I opened Key Nutrition. So we opened this company, this fitness and nutrition coaching company. And yeah, I kind of took the role as COO. Yeah. I was like just the front end of the business and we built this thing and it actually built quicker than we thought it would. Right. So it was, it was a very successful company. 2020 happens. 
as a lot of people, right? We realize we can shift the business a little bit and take this administration COO role almost out of it and switch, switch kind of how the companies ran. So like you said, it seems like the progression. I've been in the industry since 2016. Why not go on to get a certification in being a nutrition coach? So I did. And as I came out on the other side of as a nutrition coach, I was so blessed that I started having clients like come out of the woodwork, right? So I have this full schedule and I'm guiding people in nutrition. And all the while in the background, I my binge eating was at an all-time high. So I definitely identify myself as having like a binge eating disorder. Now, I do not wear that as that's who I am. I just know that that can run in the background if I allow it. So I just felt, I mean, you want to talk about imposter syndrome. Like it was just horrible to try to meet with these people and explain and, uh, or not explain, but like try to help them through their problems. And, and all the while I have this running in the background. So the whole thing with that is I started to realize this level at which was deeper than food. Okay. So I realized there's just this emotional component. I think so many people have, you know, past things traumas, emotions that are stored in their body that they're trying to numb, they're trying to soothe with food. And I resonated with that within myself. So I did, I totally came out right on Instagram. I'm like, I'm a nutrition coach. This is amazing. And then I think it was six months later, I was like, and I am going back to being a stay at home mom. Cam, that was the biggest lie. Like I just, I couldn't come out and say like, so I'm, my binge eating is at an all-time high. I don't feel good guiding these people. And I realize there's an emotional component that goes to food and I have to figure that out. So really November of 2020, I was like, I just want to be a stay-at-home mom. I love my kids, but I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. That's not what I wanted. I just thought it sounded, it doesn't it sound really good. It sounds oh, like, yeah, it sounds oh my fantastic. Gosh. It sounds yeah. like this woman is so selfless. She's giving up, right? To be a stay-at-home mom. And I did have some people push back on me because the ages of my kids are kind of like they were coming into the self-sufficient years, but I, I just stuck with it. Nope. I want it, you know, and when I started, when I was introduced to breath work, I started to realize that there was this level within me that felt this love. It felt this permission to feel emotions. And it started to touch, touch, skim the surface of my, my binge eating. It started to be able to give me some insight as to what I was storing, what I was trying to numb with food, because that was my mechanism. Some people it's sex, some people it's drugs, some people it's alcohol, some it's scrolling social media. Mine was definitely, I was numbing anything that I was feeling with food. And so I started to realize this and, and through breath work, that's when I started to realize like, okay, I actually want to make a shift and I want to, I want to bring people into their breath. I want to show them their power, their potential, the healing power that can happen through the power of breath. And so that's when I got super intrigued with it and started doing the research of like, how can I become someone who can deliver this? And that's when in April of 2021, I invested, you know, a large chunk of money to go through this certification. And Cam, I was scared to death that I would go through that certification, announce I'm a breathwork, whatever guide mentor. And then it wouldn't work because at this point in my life, I'd gone to cosmetology school and it didn't work. I didn't like doing hair, right? I had bartended. I mean, that's just, bartending's great, really. It's like really good money and it's super fun, but I don't think anyone just like wants to do that forever and ever. I mean, maybe, maybe, and that's okay. 
nutrition coach didn't work. I just started to feel like everything that I'm putting forth is not working, but it just wasn't in alignment until I found this, this modality of breath work and being able to shift it into what it's become today of the clients that I have. I'm a spiritual mentor to them. We create rituals and routines, right? We breathe. We show how our breath can literally shift our energetic state right before we came on recording. I always commit to two minutes of breath before I jump into anything so that cognitively I'm here. My body is present here, right? How often are we as human beings, we're here with you recording a podcast, but I'm really thinking about what over here needs to be done. We're not present. And we have all these things, cell phones, computers, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, that makes us not be in the present moment. So if we don't want to be in the present, we don't have to be. But it's so important when you're connecting with someone. Connection, I tell people, is my love language. Quality time, that's my love language, but connection. Connecting with people. Like when I talk to you, I don't want to know what's up. I want to know what. What's, what is up? What? Tell me everything. I want to hear someone. I want to hear what they're going through. So coming back to the present moment with our breath right? I use it for everything. Every day when I get out of bed, it's the first thing I do three deep breaths before I even lift my head off the pillow, sit on the edge of my bed, feel the energy move through my body, connect myself to what I believe is higher than me. The God of my understanding, the universe, this divine energy that's ever present in and around us. We can always connect ourselves in, right? And then being able to show up, being able to let universe, let spirit be able to channel to me and through me as I interact with people. I kind of got off on a tangent there, but that's just, it's the beauty of what breath has shown me. Tangents are great. That, that's what this, yeah. that, that's what long form's for, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you're actually working with somebody, and I know this is highly individualized, but is, is there kind of foundations or principles that you like to start with? Like if anyone's listening right now and they're like, mm-hmm. okay, you guys, you guys talked about a lot. Michelle sounds like she knows what she's doing, but I don't even know where to start. Obviously, we'll tell them where to go if, if they want to, you know, uh, connect with you and and how yeah. they can take next steps there. But is there foundations? Is it as simple as trying the two minutes, like you mentioned, of just breathing before they go into something, or is there something else that you recommend? I was there was this one guy in Arizona when I lived out there, and he was a yoga teacher. He spent six months in Arizona, six months he was from Canada. Mm-hmm. He always had the best one-liners. Like every class I took with him, it was in hot yoga. Best, best one-liners ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the ones was, you know, one breath can change any moment. Three breaths could change the world. And so like mm. that always stuck into my head that yeah. like, if I'm ever that overwhelmed in a situation, I just pause, I take three deep breaths in yes. and out, and then I revisit, right? Kind yes. of back to what you talked about reacting versus, I almost said repurposing. Um, responding. Reacting, re- yeah, responding. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Is there simple like tips, tricks, or, or, you know, foundational principles that, that you go to when, you know, working with somebody new or that somebody could take away here? Yes. So I, I, I'm approached all the time as to where do I start, right? With my breath. Here's the thing, breath awareness and conscious breathing, right? Just becoming aware of where your breath is. If I tell you right now, like to be aware of your breath before I said that you were breathing, it's an unconscious system that goes on in the background all the time for us but it's the only system in our body that we can stop and take conscious control of. We can take control and take some deep breaths, right? 
So telling people, become aware of where your breath is on a daily basis, stopping in any moment and going, where's my breath? Chances are it's shallow. We as humans, we are shallow breathers. We have too much going on. We have too much stress. And when we have stress put on our body, when we have pressure put on our body, that's what goes first is our breath goes really shallow. Okay. So being able to take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. No, I always tell people that exhale, make it longer than your inhale. Guess what you're telling your body? You're safe. You're telling your nervous system that you're safe when you give yourself a long exhale. Why do we call it a sigh of relief? Because we're telling our body we're safe. Okay. So you can almost trick your nervous system. I know sometimes we can't trick our minds, but you can trick your nervous system into thinking, I'm good. I'm safe. I don't need to be in fight or flight with three deep breaths. And when I talk about breathing, you're not breathing from your lungs. You're breathing from your belly, like from your hip bones. You are bringing breath up through your belly, through your chest. And as soon as you hit the top, you are exhaling out the mouth. And that exhale, I tell people, what moves energy, breath, and sound. Let that be an audible exhale. In my house, we have these audible exhales that we'll do. And we no longer, do you ever do this with someone? If they exhale, like (sighs) you go, what's the matter? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Just let it move through your body. So being able to just become aware at any moment, the awareness of where your breath is, taking control of it. So going to the conscious breath, taking three deep breaths that come from your belly, fill up your chest, get to the top and exhale through the mouth. If you even sit with that for two minutes a morning, two minutes, you can start to shift your energetic state. You can start to shift the way that you're feeling. Place your right hand on your heart, your left hand on your belly, and just sit there for two minutes and feel the breath in your body. Just feel it. How often are we stopping to pay attention to where our breath is? So starting small, two minutes, then move to five. Maybe start with, as soon as your eyes open, take those three deep breaths and think whatever you feel like is is higher than you. Thank you for my breath today. I'm alive. Breath means we're alive. The beat of the heart in your chest, right? How can we stop and become present? The breath is the quickest way to bring you to the present moment. I always like this, you know, every day when you wake up, you're given a a chance and a choice, right? So every day you wake up, you're given another chance and then choice is up to you how you how you actually go about that day but this is tactical and anyone who is a coach that works with people when i would train people in person or i'd work with them online didn't matter this is the first thing i always worked with them on because a lot of people especially if they are overweight they breathe with their shoulders right just as you're saying it's it's not like a lung or it's not a belly movement it's a lung movement because they're not Mm -hmm. they don't want to stick out their belly any further they're already conscious or self-conscious about their weight And so Mm -hmm. you're taking these small, shallow breaths. Like when you try to force people to expand their belly and come in, like a lot of times they they would not get it. It would take 10, 15 minutes for me to be like, no, no, no. I need, like, I'm going to hold your shoulders down. Uh Uh-huh. You expand your belly and you're breathing in while you're doing that. And like, they could not get that concept that they weren't like trying to like push their chest and shoulders up when they breathe in and then relax it down. I was like, no, 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 no. You need to out belly in belly because that's Mm -hmm. the foundation for you know, bracing your core and actually like making sure people can protect themselves when, you know, under heavy load. Yep. And it's just fascinating that that would, that would literally between that and water first two places I always started with people. And once they got that, they'd be like, Oh, that feels weird. Like I feel like I can catch my breath now. I'm like, yes. Cause you're actually breathing before you were not breathing. <laughs> you're yes. Literally yes. just taking these small shallow breaths. Yeah. It's crazy that you, you 
spoke to the fact of the belly coming out because what I find is so many females, they will not let, right? We're told to stand up straight, suck our tummy in. And so when I try to get a female to breathe and when I tell them to inhale and let their belly fill up and expand, it's a super uncomfortable thing, right? But just like you said, becoming aware of that and like somebody who, yeah, does have, you know, some weight to lose, they're not going to want to extend their belly anymore to fill up their, you know, belly and let it expand. So being able to, yes, breathe from the belly, breathe from the belly, fill up the lungs, get to the top and then let the breath go. Right. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I mean, I've definitely been significantly overweight twice in my life. And I can tell you, that's how I knew that. Right. I, mm-hmm. I knew once, once I'd figured out and I learned that, oh, you're supposed to breathe from your belly. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I was like, oh no, I don't want to do that. Cause <laughs> no, <laughs> very self-conscious about my <laughs> belly. I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I'll, I'll so, later. I'll- yeah. <laughs> Just start to be aware of your breath and then take conscious control of it. Michelle, it's been amazing uh, catching up with you. Right before we get to where can people go in and, and learn more about you, I always like asking this question. And it's simply, if you had a bumper sticker stealing from you know Tim Ferriss and the billboard, if you had a bumper sticker, what would your bumper sticker say? What would my bumper sticker say? I love this. Mm. Oh, you know, probably aside from don't be an asshole, um, it would be you've got to feel to heal. You just, you have to be able to feel to move through what you're healing. You can't think, you cannot think your way out of a feeling situation. You have to feel your way out of a feeling situation. So you got to feel to heal. I love that. I feel like that would be a good, you know, right and left, right? Where yes. you got to feel to heal and then, and don't be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's just on each side. Yes. Yes. Uh, Michelle, where can, where can people find you? Where can they go to follow along your journey or learn more in the show notes, guys? We'll have obviously Michelle's Instagram, uh, as well as uh, I pulled up your link tree because I know you have several different things where people yeah. can, can, can touch yeah. base with you. But what, what's best next steps? So the breath within you is my Instagram and I am definitely the most active on there, right? And then like you said, within my link tree. So once a month, I have what's called a community circle. It is people, I have, I've gotten a community of people from all over. I literally can say the world now. It's a free breathwork session that I guide. I, I call it a breathwork experience because it's not so much a session. You come, it's virtual once a month, right? And that's, you can find that on my Instagram in my link tree. You know, here locally, I guide two times a month in person. And um, like I said, I do have that group program um, called Hope that if you do have someone in your life who struggles with addiction, has struggled with addiction, um, maybe addiction, you know, has has taken them from this earth that I launch twice a year. So it's not an every time thing. So my next launch for that will be in January. But yeah, reach out to me. Like I said, connections, my love language. I love hearing from people. I love answering questions, anything to do with breath work, anything to do with energy. You can find me on, on Instagram. And then I also am the co-host on the key nutrition podcast that you can find on Apple, iTunes, Spotify. As you heard it here first takeaways, go take two minutes after this podcast, yes. just do some, some deep breathing, right? Some inhales and exhales. And also make sure you go and follow Michelle on, on Instagram. Her yes. stuff's always good. It's very powerful and definitely hit her up uh, if you're interested to learn more. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being here and we'll catch Thanks. you next time, guys. Thanks for earning experience points with us today on Run the Block, part of the Cam Explains Immersion channel. If you actually want to work with me or my team at No Clouds Media, connect with me on Instagram at cam.explains. There you'll find even more helpful content tips, growth strategies, our latest downloads, or if nothing else, 
I can guarantee you'll get a good laugh of myself or a pup Oliver throughout the day. Just hit me up at cam.explains. Bonus, if you are following me on Instagram, you also get first dibs on limited spots for the community we're building inside of our network, where we will have tons of free resources, overtime sessions, networking events, special guests, and much more planned as we grow. So be sure to follow along at cam.explains, and we will see you for your next session of Run the Block to earn even more experience points. Hope this helps, and remember, kindness. Pass it on. Bye for now.